Jordash, anything big happen in your life in the next last few days? Nothing at all? Had her first girl on Thursday. First girl. I was sitting here. I saw you getting ready to come out. I thought the first time you walked out here, we talked about it all the time. I had no idea who you were. Single, young guy in cowboy boots. Yes, you were. I had never seen you before until you brought a podium out. We had a whole interview on stage. And now you have a beautiful little girl, amazing wife, and you got Blundstones. Welcome to the East Coast, my friend. It's been good to you. Yeah. And if you too serve on production, you can get a spouse and a child. No, okay. Oh, that's not true. It could be true. Well, I guess we'll never know. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're here. We're in a series we started last week. Pastor Matt started so well uh, called Galatians. And today, I won't be long, but I believe God's put a word on my heart to encourage you from Galatians chapter 2. We believe in the the word of God. Can someone say amen? Amen. And a series like this, when we go through uh, the book of the Bible, um, verse by verse or book by book, it elevates the word of God. You need to know that this book, this Bible, uh, is translated in over 2,200 languages It's the most smuggled book. It's the most stolen book. It's the most sold book in the world. Every second of every minute a copy was sold in the last two years alone. It's a book that changes lives. The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet, which means not only gives you direction today, but it will give you direction for your life tomorrow. It also says in Matthew, it says this, that, um, uh, that man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that this book will not only feed you, it'll feed you like nothing else, but it'll also fill you like nothing else. And we believe in elevating the word of God. I'll, I'll be honest, I've been in churches, I've been around, and sometimes it feels like you're more at a comedy act than you are at, the, at a church. Sometimes it feels like people are talking more about politics, come on, than the word of God. People are talking more about their opinion, And I believe in humor, and I believe in addressing things, and I believe in sharing uh, life experiences, but the Word of God does not return void. When you preach the Word, when you read the Word, when you do as a family, as men, as women, something happens in your life. Can I encourage you to love your Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles for you. Uh, On your way out, you can grab a Bible. We paid for them with your money. They're free. But can I encourage you, Bibles will change your life. There's a reason why. More people have lost their life over this book uh, of, of defending it, reading it, promoting it. This book is not, it, it sold more copies in Harry Potter than, than, uh, than, than all the top books combined. Why? Because it changes lives. And we at a church want to elevate the word of God. Amen? Galatians chapter 2. If you want to get ahead for next week, read Galatians 3. And uh, I want to read, go back and read chapter 1. Just one highlight. Uh, Pastor Matt preached so well in chapter 1 last week, but this was my favorite verse. I've been chewing on it all week. From last week's chapter, chapter 1, it says this in verse 10 of uh, Galatians chapter 1. Obviously, 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 I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. That's a verse right there. If I was pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I don't know why that hit me so hard this week. I thought, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but I'm trying to win the approval of God. I'm, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I think that's a powerful, powerful, powerful verse. I remind you today as a church, we're not trying to win people's approval. If we please God, we'll have no problem with people. If we, if we do well by God, we'll do well for our city. We are people that love God. Galatians 2 picks up right where uh, Galatians 1 left off. And I want to title this today, 
respectfully resist. If you're taking notes, write this down. I encourage you to take notes. It might, I don't, you don't get to take notes on everything, but maybe one line or one verse or one thought comes into your head and you chew on it all week. Chapter two, I've titled, if I put a theme on this chapter, respectfully resist. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for every guest, every church member that's here today, from the youngest to the oldest. For those that feel like they're on top of the mountain and some that feel like the mountain's on top of them, I'm thankful that they're here today. Father, I pray that you would make yourself real, just like you did for Tyler and myself and many others. Would you show up today and would you make room for us? Father God, would you just um, barge in, interrupt, and shake our old traditions and break down religious mindsets that we have? And God, would you make yourself real beyond church, beyond seats, beyond offerings, beyond uh, three songs and a message? Would you show up today and invade us right where we need it? God, we make room for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. A few years ago, I heard a story. I was living in the south of England many years ago. And I was told this story about this young police officer who lived in Exeter in the south of England. And he was a young police officer who was in his late 20s, and he was writing his exam to become a sergeant. He wanted to write this exam because it would mean a pay increase. It would change his duties as an officer. And he had a young family, so he was looking forward to hopefully getting his sergeant's exam out of the way so he could go to the next level in his career. He sat down at the exam, and they brought him in. They sat him down, and they said, we only have one question for you and one question only on this exam. We've looked at your record. You've done an amazing job. You've been faithful. You've been loyal and um, truly been a remarkable officer, but... We want you to go to the next level, but we're going to ask you one question on this exam. He's like, okay, I'm ready. And this was the question they asked this young man. They said, okay, picture this scenario. You're walking through the small town of Exeter and our town. He said, your partner can't be with you because he's outside of town on the highway dealing with a traffic accident. You're by yourself. He is two hours away. You're walking through the center of town that day, and all of a sudden on the far side of the hill, coming down one of the steep roads, there's a milk truck coming from a dairy farm. This truck comes down the hill, and in the middle of this, a woman walks out with a stroller in the middle of the road, and the driver, to avoid the child, and the stroller makes a sharp turn, spilling over and tipping over this, this huge container, this huge truck, tanker truck full of milk. The milk uh, explodes out of the truck. Now it's flooding shops and down the streets, and it's making a mess everywhere, and people are running, and there's milk flowing everywhere. At that same moment, the engine catches fire, and gasoline spilled, and this truck is moments away from exploding and ruining the main street of our town. He goes, okay. He goes, at the exact same moment, on the opposite side of town, there's a truck coming down with logs and wood coming down, and they see the truck that's on fire, and they know it's going to explode, and the man cannot stop, and as he hits the brakes, his brakes let go, and he actually takes his truck, and he rams it into a jewelry store, smashing the windows and going into it. At that moment, people start rioting and stealing jewelry from the jewelry store. At that moment, another man is across town. He's taking his bull to the market, and in the chaos, the bull gets spooked by the noise and the smoke and the milk, and he gets away from his owner, from this farmer, and starts running through town, causing chaos where he is. People are screaming. Things are on fire. Milk is flowing. Diamonds are being stolen. He said, young man, what do you do in that moment? He pauses for a minute and he goes, well, I think I remove my uniform and blend into the crowd. <laughs> right answer. 
Today, in Galatians chapter 2, we're talking about authority. And the point is, is that someone is always in charge. Hopefully, they know what they're doing. Galatians 1 was a fairly heavy message last week, if you were here. It was all about authority. Galatians 2 does not let up on this at all. It continues on talking about authority. And here's something I learned in my life from a young age. There's always somebody in charge. I don't know if you've realized that yet. There's always someone in charge. When you're in school, there's someone in charge. When you get out of school, there's always someone in charge. When you get married, your wife's in charge. I'm kidding. I'm not. But there's always someone in, well, if I can just be an entrepreneur on my own, well, the tax man is in charge. There's always somebody in charge. The question is, you really hope they know what they're doing. Galatians 2 is talking all about authority. In chapter 2, it starts off, Picking up from where Matt left it last week in chapter 1 of Paul, Paul had stated who he was, his journey to become a Christian, what God had done in his life. And chapter 2 starts with Paul coming back to Jerusalem after 14 years away. It was in Jerusalem where he was sent out to be a missionary, to plant churches, to um, preach the gospel, to literally save lives in Jesus' name. And then he comes back to Jerusalem, where it all started 14 years later. I want to start reading in chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, and I've titled this part in my notes, Respect. The respect that Paul gives leaders in this room. Verse 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, Galatians chapter 2. It's just before Ephesians, after 2 Corinthians, Galatians chapter 2. If not, you'll see it on the screen behind me. It says, And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. Paul had shown up, and he said, hey, I want to preach for you what I've been preaching to all these churches, all these cities, all these towns. I want to preach the gospel I've been preaching because I want your approval. I want to make sure that I'm not missing the mark here. I want to make sure I'm not missing the point. I want to make sure that I'm not off in my theology because bad theology adds to bad missiology, which means your life mission will be off, and then you're in a whole bunch of trouble. So he says here in verse 6, he said, the leaders had nothing to add that I was preaching, meaning, nope, you're good. There's nothing we want to add to that. By the way, their reputation of great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Can you pick up a little attitude there? I realized as I was reading Galatians, I don't think I like Paul. I don't, there's no joke there. I don't think we would get along. I don't think he's very East Coast. East Coast are very polite. You know, we, we won't tell you off. We'll just say bless you. That's the Christian way of telling people off. And we, just bless you. It means I want to say something else. So if someone ever says bless you, they're probably thinking something different. But, and we don't say no on the East Coast. We say we'll pray about it. <laughs> hey, you want to help with Nova kids? Let me pray about that. It means I want to say no later, but right now I'm just going to say I'm going to pray about it. And we're very respectful and polite, but, but Paul here is just very abrasive. And I love this. He shares that, by the way, they had nothing to add to what I was preaching. And, and by the way, their reputation as great leaders <laughs> means nothing to me. There's a little bit of a smugness there. You can see the, the tension Paul's going through. I love that. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as an apostle to the Jews also worked through me as an apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known, who were known as the pillars, and I feel like he's doing air quotes when he says this. You ever you know air quotes? The pillars of the church recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work to the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep helping the poor, which, by the way, I've always been eager to do. 
respect. See, here I want to let you know as we talk about authority and as we go through the scriptures, I believe that even the, 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 the topic of authority is a challenging one in the day we live. But I do believe it's important. Paul here has respect, but also he has a little bit of reserve in his respect. He's not a fanboy. He's not gushing over these leaders. Go, man, these, you guys are amazing. I'm just, I'm just honored to even be here. He has respect, submitting himself, going, hey, this is what I've been preaching. Make sure I'm not missing anything here, anything taken away, anything added. But there's also some reserve to give them too much praise. He's like, well, you're, you're known as the, the favorites and the leaders, but to be honest, you don't impress me. And you're kind of pillars of the church, but I'm going to submit to you, but I'm definitely not in your fan club. There's respect but there's also reserve. It's interesting because the men he's talking to, two of them, Peter and John, were part of Jesus's inner crowd. They were two men that Jesus had called. They were there for the Mount Transfiguration when they saw the prophets risen from the dead, when Jesus, heaven literally changed Jesus' appearance, when they saw miracles. They were with Jesus, these men. These were the men that were with him when he healed um, little kids and raised people from the dead and healed blind eyes. They were with him when he walked across the water, when they were drowning and in a storm, and calmed the sea and called Peter out of the boat. This is the same Jesus when they were in the middle of a storm, when they thought, we're going to die. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and Jesus wakes up and goes, waves and wind, stop. And nature obeyed their Jesus. These are the men that saw that. They're the same men that were in the garden on his last night before he was betrayed and they heard his prayers and they were praying with him and seeking heaven. They were there for the journey for when he called them as teenagers through discipling them and raising them and teaching them. They had the best internship, the best church, the best Bible school, the best pastor and then God filled them with his spirit and now they were part of growing and launching the church. They planted the church, the church, not our church, the church. These were the men. The other man, James, is called James the Just. This is not James the Apostle. This is another James. He's actually the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And in fact, he wasn't a disciple of Jesus, but he ends up, history tells us, he was Jesus' half-brother. Same mother, different father, and was raised up in the same household as Jesus. So he knew Jesus probably better than almost anyone. These are the men that Paul here is submitting to. But there's some tension in his following. His challenge, his challenge in his life to follow these men is evident. I like this, and we go back to verse 2 of Galatians. When you're reading the chapter, it says this. He goes, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. This is Paul talking. He said, I went to see these men because God revealed that I should go. And while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them this message. I considered it. He was submitting the gospel to the leaders. You know, what's amazing to me is that Paul himself experienced what we experienced which is the tension of submitting to authority, both in the church and elsewhere. There is a, a tension in submitting. For Paul to follow, it was a challenge for him, wrestling with his own strengths, his own resume, his own intelligence versus the leaders he was submitted to. Here's the truth today, is that no Christian is a standalone Christian. We are all part of the body of Christ. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul 
who there are legends about his exploits, chose to understand, I am not on my own. I am not self-appointed. I don't have my own authority. I am submitting. There is no standalone Christian. I am submitted to the body of Christ. So many people, I don't need church. I just, I don't need authority. I don't need accountability. I, I just follow Jesus. I remember this one person I met, they said, I just, I just give to different churches I see online. And, and I'm like, okay, that's a preacher. But that's not a pastor. And sometimes we confuse preaching and pastoring. I've preached at conferences, and I have some conferences even this week I'm speaking at, and people will say they don't know that you're a great pastor. I'm like, no, no, you've heard me preach. There's a difference between pastoring and preaching. Some of the best pastors I know don't know how to preach well, and some of the greatest preachers I know couldn't pastor. There's something about submitting yourself to a small group, submitting yourself to your spiritual authority. People know your life, and Paul was saying, I'm not standalone. Though history will tell the great exploits, I'm submitting myself to the authority in this church. God is a God of authority. You need to know that today. And there's always been an attack on authority. Always been. It's the original sin. I'm not going to read it today, but in Isaiah, it talks about Satan. Before he fell from heaven, his name was Lucifer. He was actually an angel in heaven. And what got him kicked out of heaven was, at one point, he said, you know what? God isn't all that good or all that great. I actually think I'm equal with God. So I, I'm going to ask that people would praise me and worship me instead of worshiping God. And he made himself, try to make himself equal with God, and it got him kicked out of heaven. Why? Because he said, no one's in charge of me. I've earned the right to lead myself. In fact, you should all follow me as I don't follow those above me. Why? Because pride is the original sin. Pride has kicked more people out of heaven and taken more people to hell than any other sin. It's actually the original sin in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 5. Adam and Eve are in the garden here. Creation has happened. They're now living in perfect harmony with God. They're in charge of nature. They're um, reproducing, and they're in authority. Watch this in chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent, which is the devil, shows up, and he says this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, oh, this, there's a lot of power in this line right here. Did God really say? Maybe you've dealt with that as parents when one of the kids comes to you and goes, did, did, like, I want to do this. Did, did mom really mean that when she said I couldn't go there? Did dad really mean I couldn't have that before dinner? Did, he's challenging. What, what's happening here is the enemy is challenging authority. He's like, did it really say? Like, go back and look at the text messages. Did it really say that? He said, did he really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? They said, of course, we can meet, eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God, God said, you must not. He didn't recommend. He didn't suggest. He commanded. That's authority. He said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. What's the enemy? You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God. You see the attack on authority? God... He's just putting you down. He's just holding you down. That's the man keeping you down. Because he knows if you eat that, if you taste that, that you'll have full knowledge and full understanding and you'll be like him. And then he won't be able to control you anymore. He won't be able to direct you anymore. There's no one in charge. You're wise in your own eyes. You're smart enough. You're talented enough. You can do this on your own. You don't need to take orders from anybody. Just, just eat there. And they said, but God said, did God really say? It's an attack on authority. It's an attack on authority. 
There's always been an attack on authority. I'll be honest, church. I've never seen a season like there's an attack on authority right now. I want to make a disclaimer. We're not dealing with any division in our church or any, any attacks. This is not that. That's why I have full confidence in sharing this message today because it's not coming out of a place of defense or a place of suspicion or a place of pain. I actually brag on this church, the season we've been in for the last few years, the unity. Can I be honest? I haven't gotten one bad email. We haven't gotten one bad complaint about how we led through COVID. We, it's been difficult, and I'm sure some people disagree with some things, and we disagree with some things, but together, unified, keeping the main thing, the main thing that God is good, and he loves people, and from the helm to helping our city, we have come through this with flying colors. But I've never seen a season in culture where authority has been attacked as much as it is right now. Culture says today, don't honor, don't submit, don't obey, and be your own boss. That's what culture is saying today. No one is in charge, is what they're saying. From TikTok to Facebook to conversations to news reports to statistics, everyone's saying, no, 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 everybody... It's your own truth. It's my truth. That's your truth. We're all in charge of ourselves. We'll figure this out on our own. There's no one worth following. We see it in politics. Now, I don't talk about politics in church, but I is today. We, we hear lines like this, the vote doesn't represent me, so they're not my leader. We say things like, well, they got voted in, but you can't trust the voting system. It's, it's rigged. Speaking to my American friends right now that are watching online, God bless you. You need all the prayer you can get. We say things like this, well, I'm not going to follow the law. We say things like this, the leader's too young to be a leader, or he's too old to be the leader. He's too left to be, he's too right to be a leader to follow. And others go, I'll just show my disdain, and how, did they really say, do they really lead? I'll show my disdain, not by marching, not by voting, not by running for government. I'll just put memes on Facebook. We'll block out the words, but we'll use choice words with our prime minister's name. We'll bumper stickers and flags, and we'll do it south of the border and north of the border. I want you to know that I am not blue, and I am not red, and I am not orange. But I'll tell you this. Nowhere, I, you know what I don't see in this Bible? I see a lot of things. You know what I don't see? I never see Jesus mocking Caesar. I never see him. In fact, when he disagrees, he goes silent. He said, my life will speak for me. I will lay down my life for the kingdom of God, but I am not going to mock you. You know what you don't see? You don't, see, you don't hear about Jesus around the campfire going, let me, let me do my impression of Pontius Pilate. Let me do my impression of Herod. He tried to kill me as a kid. His, his father tried to kill me. Let me do my impression of Herod. You don't see them handing out bumper stickers or putting memes. When did it become okay as Christians to mock our leaders? I did not say agree. I said mock. And it's so, my, my American friends are calling me all the time. How do you maintain unity? I'm like, we need to pray for you. All their sermons are about politics right now because there's so much fighting. And, but we don't do it as obvious, but we just do it with memes on Facebook. What about law enforcement and laws? People go, no, we're going to defund and we're going to disobey and we don't want that. Now, I know I'm, I'm talking real sensitive today. I understand what I'm saying. I need you to stay with me today. But we say, no, 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 we don't want to submit or obey. We want to get rid of these departments and rid of this, and we want to get rid of this. And, and I've talked to many of you that have been hurt by law enforcement, and it's real pain and real distrust, and it needs to be addressed. I've also talked to officers in this place that love God and love people, and they are caught in the middle. And I knew this, that there's something in our culture about pushing back against laws and law enforcement. What about businesses? 
You know, a stat came out this week. They're having an impossible time trying to get people to go back to the office. And it's not because of COVID. It's because they know if I go back there, I got to listen to that person say this thing and this requirement. And they're pushing back, going, no, I don't want to go back. And companies are demanding people come back. People go, nope, no, I'm not doing it. I don't, I, I don't want to be in an atmosphere where I have to listen and obey and have meetings and go through stats. I don't want to submit to that. I'm good at home on my own. And we see it even in the business community. We see it in church. This is the theme you see in church today. Give us pastors. Give us community. Give us opportunity to use my talents, but don't correct us and don't direct us. I want community. I want to have friends better together. I want my small groups and I want my coffee, but don't, and I want to use my talents in every stage and every classroom and every area, but don't direct us or correct us. You see it in homes. There's no gender roles, no leadership structures. There's no boundaries. The internet is to raise our kids and all we do as parents are supposed to is just pay for their lifestyles and encourage them and be their hype people and their cheerleaders. So no, 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 you can't listen to, like, no, no, like, no one's in charge. No one's in charge. We'll all figure it out on our own. Now, you're going to hear me really clear today because some of you are riled up maybe on the inside. I'm not saying there isn't corruption. I'm not saying there isn't abuse. And I'm not saying there isn't wrongdoing in all these areas, in government, in business, in law enforcement, in the church, and in homes. But the, and they need to be exposed. Please hear me. They need to be addressed, and they need to be corrected. Truth and justice are holy endeavors. But you can make change and submit to authority. Honoring and obeying are not the same thing. There's a line there. But there's an attack on authority in our culture. And if we're not careful, it bleeds over into our faith where we just think we're lone rangers, we're standalone, we do our own thing, we have no hours and no commitment and no bosses, and we just live our life. And if you can help me and bless me, great. But the second you challenge me or correct me, we push back and resist. Authority is godly. That even sounds wrong saying in 2022. Authority is godly. Watch this, James 4, 7, in the NIV version. It says, submit. That's an authority word right there. Submit. When you submit, you lay down your opinions, your thoughts, your schedule, your time, your talent, your treasures. You submit. You're like, you're in charge. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Did you know this from reading that verse? When you submit to God, you actually resist evil. How else do you translate that? So humble yourselves. NIV says um, to submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Sometimes I believe the evil in our lives is because from an independent rebellious spirit. I think it's one of the problems with some of our countries right now is there's a rebellion. We call it nationalism or we call it independence or we call it freedom. But a lot of it is actually rebellion. We see it in families. We see it in churches. We see it in business. But when you submit to God, you actually drive back the powers of hell wasn't going to share this, and I think I've maybe alluded to it. I was landing in D.C. a few months ago, and God spoke to me, the clearest he's spoken to me in years, and he spoke to me a word of correction. I'm landing on vacation with my family, going to see stuff, and God spoke to me, whispered in my ear. I can only explain it as I heard him as clear as I could hear him, and it was a word of correction. And I can tell you this, it felt wonderful. Because when God corrects, he doesn't push you down. He always brings you higher. I'm like, we need to change some things in the church. We need to change some things in your life. Change some things in your thought pattern. Change some decisions you make. And I shared it with Nancy. She was, that's God. When God speaks, 
Sometimes he corrects. He doesn't just forgive, he also corrects. Authority is godly. You're like, Mike, I have no problem submitting God. It's Brenda in HR that's on my last nerve. (laughs) If I get one more meeting about one more rule, Brenda, Brenda, I love Jesus. Brenda, not so much. I feel an oofalander when I say, she's on my last nerve, bye. She's on my last nerve. Watch this, Romans 13, verse 1. I think we had this in the ESV version. I'll read it from the English Standard Version. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. I don't know how else to translate that. Then every authority except from God. For those that exist have been instituted by God. Raises a whole bunch of questions. Why bad things happen, abuse. Let God deal with it. But do you know authority is from God? There's, such a, there's just a challenge on authority. Here's Paul in this scripture. He's actually the most educated, intelligent, and well-connected person in the room. In fact, he goes on to be the greatest, in my opinion, and the opinion of most other scholars, that he is the most important and most influential apostle of all time. He literally spreads the gospel around the then-known world. His letters make up most of the New Testament that we read, study, and implement He is the most educated and intelligent. And the pillars that he's submitting to, these men, are largely uneducated, blue-collar teenagers when Jesus found them. Jesus, being a crazy, uh, out-there teacher, calls them. They leave their trades as fishermen, and they follow him. That's all the education they have. And here's Paul, the most educated, talented, connected. He He knew government, and he knew church. He knew how to speak with those that were in leadership and he knew how to talk uh, in, the, in the synagogue and temples. He was educated and connected and he chose to submit himself to these blue-collar former teenagers who knew very nothing about scripture. They just knew Jesus. He chose to submit himself. Paul is stating here that there is authority and we're to submit to it and respect it. Then Paul resists, respectfully resist. I love this because all of a sudden the chapter takes a turn in Galatians 2. Paul then resists to these leaders. I don't want you to miss this part either. It says here in verse 11 to 14, let me read it. In verse 11 to 14 of chapter 2, he picks it up here and he says this in Galatians chapter 2. These pillars that he's standing in front of. He says, but Peter came to Antioch where I was, and I had to oppose him to his face. There's Paul. There's Paul. There you are, Paul. There's the abrasive guy that we know. He's like, Peter came to visit me, and I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. Respectfully resist. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. It was a cultural difference. Not a moral difference. It was a cultural difference. But afterwards, when some friends came of James that knew who he was and from his, from his own culture, from Jerusalem, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism of the people who insisted on the necessity, necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Paul's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray, led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Personally, I would have pulled him aside. Maybe a nice, spirited email. Hope this email finds you well. You're an idiot. That's what the email would have been. In front of others. I love that. 
And that terrifies me at the same time. That's who Paul was. Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now, you were just eating with everybody, you were eating pork, you were doing what they were doing, it wasn't moral, it was just cultural, you were fitting right in, but now that these guys showed up, Paul, in front of everybody, now that they're showing up here, you had bacon this morning for breakfast, Paul. You had bacon. You had a pork sandwich, pulled pork sandwich, Paul. I can smell it on your breath, it's still in your teeth, Paul. He confronts them in front of everybody. He says, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You need to know the first part is Paul respecting, going, there's authority from God, and I'm submitting myself. But then there's a point in every following where you need to resist. Respectfully resist. Paul challenges these leaders, and he pushes back. You need to hear me today. We are to respect those in leadership, including Christ's church, under the position God has called them. But we must also be unrelenting in our convictions and able to resist or speak up to these same authorities if we believe that a vital part of the gospel is at stake. We do not change the gospel. You missed a chance to say amen right there. We don't change the gospel. Here's what I've learned during COVID. People are like, what's your plan for going back? In person, online, we're so glad you've joined us online today. Well, Discipling, we need to get programs, but here's what I've realized. Let the gospel do the work. The gospel works by itself. You don't need to add music or lights or jokes to it. You don't need to add programs. You don't need to add merch to it. You don't need to add anything. The gospel works on its own. We saw an example of it today. A young man who told me he used to wake up in ATM machines in Amherst wake up on the floor, high as a kite, and that's where he was sleeping. And when he had an encounter with the gospel, with no lighting and no music, just the gospel, his life was changed. The gospel changes lives. We don't change the gospel because a politician says so. We don't change the gospel because a celebrity thinks they know. We don't change it because of a professor, an influencer, your buddy on Facebook, or a pastor wants you to change it. We don't change the gospel. We don't change it back to heavy religion. And we don't change it, move it forward to easy relevance to match current culture. We do not change the gospel. I am not here today because of a relevant gospel. I'm not here today because of a hard gospel with rules. To keep me on. I'm here because of the gospel, and the gospel works. And church, we're to submit to authorities. They are your prime minister. They are your president. They are your boss at work. She does work in HR and she does sign your check. And we are your pastors and they are your parents and they are your spouse and we respect to authority. But there comes a time that you have to respectfully resist. And here's the big thought I have for you today. The big thought. If you're writing something down, you need to write this one down the most. Is that God puts people in charge, but Jesus is king. God puts people in charge. My son, who I'm so proud of, just came back from out west. He's home for the weekend. And we're talking about his job and how well he's doing. He's like, I just realized, like, they're in charge. And I follow, I follow what they're saying. And, and, and I'm learning how to work this job. And I'm like, yeah, listen, God puts people in charge. But Jesus is king. Those sentences are not opposite. They're the same sentence. God puts people in charge. But Jesus is king. But Jesus is king respect and resist. And most of us in this room do one of those things better than the other. 
Some of us respect more than we resist. Others of you resist easier than you respect. And the truth is we're called to do both of them when necessary. We follow the leaders God has appointed, but we are relentless in our pursuit of Jesus and his unchanging gospel. That's why we're going through the Bible. That's why we read this. Why? It's not about opinion. It's not about relevance. It's not about religion. It's about Jesus Christ and the gospel. The blood of Jesus has not failed me yet. We don't need to change it. We don't need to make it relevant. We don't need to make it harder. The gospel does the work. Paul both respects the pillars of the church, but refuses to grant them ultimate authority, reserved only for Jesus alone. Acts 4.11. I think we have this verse behind me. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Jesus is who everything is built on. He is the level point. He is the strongest point. He's the one that makes sure the building stands. When the hurricanes come, it's the cornerstone that has to be level. It has to be stable and it has to be true. Jesus is the cornerstone. God puts people in charge, but Jesus is king. The big thought is God puts people in charge today. In your life, there are people that rub you the wrong way. You have a hard time following. Some of you, you've been called back to the office and you took the job knowing you were going to the office, but now you're like, I don't want to go back to the office. Some of you, it's submitting to another leader in your life. You have a hard time. They're not, it's not abuse. It's not, it, it, it's not, it, it's not that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about submitting to abuse. I'm talking about authority saying, we need you here at this time to do this and you resist. God puts people in charge, but Jesus is king. Respectfully resist. With this, I'm gonna close. What is the gospel? This is the gospel, the best I can explain it. Jesus gave it all. We surrender all, and he is our all in all. That's the gospel. Jesus gave it all. He gave you, he gave everything. Heaven gave everything it had to save you, to, to, to love you, to reach you. We match it by surrendering all. We surrender our rights. We surrender our opinions. We surrender our direction. And he becomes our all in all. Jesus gave it all. We surrender all. And he is my all in all. That's the gospel. All over this place, can we stand to our feet? I'm going to close with this. Matt, if we can just sing that chorus in a moment. If you just close your eyes for a second, I'm going to just challenge you and take my liberty as one of the pastors here. And just close your eyes. Here's a question I want to ask yourself. How are you doing with submitting to the authorities in your life? I want you to picture your workplace, picture your home. Maybe picture a club that you serve at. Maybe it's your government. Maybe it's your church. And when you hear the word submit, something inside you gets flared up. I will not. Could it be that God today wants to just work on that? and maybe speak into your ear and encourage you today. And by submitting to God, you'll push back evil from your life. I'm not saying we agree with everything, but we submit to God and his authority. If that's you today, I just want to say a simple prayer and believe right now a release in your life. Because God puts people in charge. But Jesus is king. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this church and these people right now. 
Father, if there's an area where we need correction in our lives, maybe it's that manager at work, maybe it's that coworker that was given a promotion where we thought we deserved and now they're dictating our to-do list and our schedule. Maybe it's we see so many issues and challenges in our government. We've been listening to so much news that we're obsessed with right and left and south of the border in our country. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's parents. Maybe it's even in the church, leaders in the church. Father, right now, we, we ask together, would you forgive us for our rebellion? Would you forgive us for our hesitancy? And God, would you help us if there's, if there's things that need to be corrected, go after truth and justice, but God, would you help our hearts Remove the pride from our hearts. Remove the, the self-reliance in our hearts. God, we submit today to your authority and the people you put in charge because Jesus, your king. God, remove pride. Establish humility and strength. Help us to respectfully resist when we need to. Bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Matt. Can we lead that one time through? Double make room for you. Come on, church, make room for Jesus to do whatever you want to. charge. But how many are thankful? Jesus is King. Amen. Amen. This week, get ready for next week, read Galatians 3. In a moment, we're going to dismiss the coffee's flowing, and I think we have pumpkin spice. Do we have, we have pumpkin syrups, so that's the thing. It's free and flowing. We love you so much. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>